you don't answer the table tonight. Don't you need everybody to move? If the ref gets in your way, you hear them? We ain't apologizing for nothing today. They'll take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? They'll take care of y'all mental. Welcome in to the Fantasy Flexicution Podcast and a happy Thanksgiving weekend to all of you. Hopefully your bellies and your fantasy lineups are stuff-filled as possible this weekend. Our host Brett Pelashotti is out for the week to spend his holiday with his family. Like, I don't have a family in town, one more kid than him, the same amount of wives, whatever. That means you all get treated to a Kyle Settle solo pod! <laughs> No shoddy to slow me down. Let's get right into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! X-Street, X-Street, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. So Jason Garrett is out. He has been fired as the New York Giants offensive coordinator, which means Freddie Kitchens is due to assume the interim role. Good news and bad news in the same sentence there for Giants fans. But the clapper is out. Coach Garrett is now unemployed, meaning I think we can call him Jason. Next up, the Denver Broncos sign a couple of pass catchers to extensions. Cortland Sutton gets a four-year, $60.8 million contract. Tim Patrick gets three years, 34.5 mil. Two contract extensions, and it'll pay off great for the next quarterback of Denver. The Tennessee Titans sign Golden Tate, and San Francisco signs Devin Funches. A couple mediocre wide receiver signings to keep an eye on out west and in the Midwest. The Titans also release veteran running back Adrian Peterson. The Houston Texans also release Philip Lindsay, who then quickly is picked up by the Miami Dolphins. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for any longer than a few days, you know how we feel about the incumbent running back in Miami, Miles Gaskin. Not to say that this role is a death mark by any means, but there is a scenario that Philip Lindsay will cut into the early downs role, relegating Miles Sanders to simply pass catching duties, which would eliminate him from RB2 discussions and really relegate him back to running back three for the remainder of the season until they bring in a new running back next season. Last up, the New Orleans Saints signed Taysom Hill to a four-year, $95 million contract extension. Remember, he had that big fake extension last season when they added in all the void years. This one, four years, $95 million. Again, all filled with void years after this season. All right, with that, let's get into the weekly recap. The Saints fall to the Eagles, 40-29. Miles Sanders returns and reclaims his lead-back role for Philly to the tune of 16 rush attempts. Dallas Goddard continues to get peppered in the absence of Zach Ertz. He's at a 28% target share since the veterans shipped off to the Southwest. Jordan Howard did exit this game with a knee sprain. He's likely out for this week's contest with the divisional foe New York Giants. The Adam Troutman breakout was over as soon as it began as he's likely out for the next month due to a sprained MCL. Alvin Kamara already declared out for Thanksgiving Day and Mark Ingram is questionable. 
Next up to the Meadowlands, where the Miami Dolphins come in and get the win 24-17, rookie Jalen Waddell is averaging just under seven receptions per game over his last six, leading the way for this banged-up receiver core. We knew Joe Flacco was going to utilize the slot, but instead of Jamison Crowder, it was our rookie darling Elijah Moore continuing to stay hot with a 31% target share on the day. More bad news for New York as rookie running back Michael Carter is expected to miss multiple weeks dealing with a high ankle sprain. Next up to Cam Newton's starter debut, the football team gets the win 27-21 over the Panthers. CMC returns to form with Cam as his quarterback. He amassed a 91% rush share and a 30% target share out of the backfield. The Washington football team, in spite of the win, is in desperate need of options, but they could get Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel back as soon as this week. Next up, the Jonathan Tipno, the Indianapolis Colts defeat the Buffalo Bills 41-15. It was Scorigami! The 1,070th unique score in the NFL. Dawson Knox made his return. Welcome to 26% target share. Matt Breida, the highest scoring Bills running back for the second week in a row as this continues to be a running back field to a void. It was Jonathan Taylor who won the week with the fourth highest fantasy output in the last decade behind Alvin Kamara, Jamal Charles, and Doug Martin. Next up to a game nobody wanted to win, but it was the Brownies winning 13-10 over the winless Detroit Lions. TJ Hawkinson continues to dominate targets without any wide receivers of note in Detroit. He's been at a rate above 28% in four out of his last five games. Nick Chubb for Cleveland has another good outing. He's gone for 20-plus over his last two games. Jarvis Landry did re-aggravate a knee injury, leaving the Browns receiver room in shambles. But on the brighter side, Kareem Hunt has been designated to return from IR. I do expect him to come back this week. Next up, the Niners stay hot with a 30-10 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The big three of Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk all chalk good days. Brandon Ayuk has been over a 20% target share in each of his last four. Bad news for the Jaguars, more bad news. Jamal Agnew was placed on season-ending IR for Jayville. A deep shot, pun intended, would be to check your waiver wires for Laquan Treadwell. See if he can retread his career. He had over a 70% snap share for the Jaguars this past week. Next up, the Houston Texans stun the Tennessee Titans 22-13. The answer to who will replace Derrick Henry in Tennessee is nobody. Not a single running back has had more than 50% of the team's rushes in a game. Dontrell Hilliard, the latest name in the RB carousel, he accounted for a 20% target share, the second highest for a Titans running back this season. A.J. Brown left this game multiple times with separate injuries, but apparently none are major and they hope to have him back this week. Brandon Cooks with his lowest target share of the season, just 13%, and the Texans' running backs continue to be unstable. They all combined for 32 carries and just 55 yards. Next up, the Minnesota Vikings get the win over the Green Bay Packers, 34-31. A.J. Dillon in the game, a 73% rush share and 19% target share. Just not a large pie. Did somebody say pie? For the Green Bay running game. It's a wonderful day for pie. You can ask all the birds in the sky. And they'll tell you real sweet with a musical tweet. It's a wonderful day for pie. For pie. For pie. For pie. For pie. MVS with his trademark splash game in a day with a 32% target share, but it was Justin Jefferson putting the team on his back as he gets back to his elite ways. He finishes with eight catches, 169 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. 
Next up, the Baltimore Ravens, with a backup quarterback, beat the Chicago Bears 16-13. Devontae Freeman is averaging 14 fantasy points per game over his last five, but Batavius Murray is back and will muddle that backfield for the Ravens. Justin Fields knocked out of this game, and he'll miss the Thanksgiving Day matchup with the Lions. Test revealed no broken ribs, so some extended time off after the holiday weekend. He may be back for Week 13 against the first-place Cardinals. Next up, Cincinnati Bengals 32-13 over the Las Vegas Raiders. Joe Mixon was the game plan for the Bengals in the win, and it came at the cost of rookie phenom Jamar Chase. Chase has finished now outside the top 20 wide receivers three weeks in a row after getting off to a historic start to his rookie season. The usually dependable Hunter Renfro and sophomore wide receiver Brian Edwards finished with just four combined targets, all of which went to Hunter Renfro. The NFC's first place, Arizona Cardinals win 23-13 over the struggling Seahawks. Rondell Moore was peppered with targets in this game, 11 to be exact, that all seemingly came behind the line of scrimmage. He had a total of negative 11 air yards for the day. Rashad Penny was the first man up in the backfield for Seattle. He was injured on his first carry and what's new for the former first round bust. Seattle's offense looks to get back on track this week against the Washington football team. Next up, a game where everyone should have taken the under. The Kansas City Chiefs get the win over the Cowboys 19-9. Target leader for Dallas on the day, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, and Cedric Wilson in that order. CeeDee Lamb did exit this game in the first half with a concussion, but apparently has an outside shot at playing this week on Thanksgiving Day against the Raiders. The Cowboys are optimistic. I am not, but by the time you're listening to this, you know what's going on with CeeDee Lamb. Tyreek Hill notched 100 scrimmage yards due in part to a 33-yard run. And Travis Kelsey contributes with his second career rushing touchdown. On now to prime time to Sunday Night Football. The Chargers get the win in a thriller 41-37 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Austin Eckler's four touchdowns overshadowed only by the aforementioned Jonathan Taylor as he finishes as the RB2 on the week. Justin Herbert, 90 rushing yards on the evening. That's a franchise record for the Los Angeles Chargers signal caller. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, both usable as they combine for 12 catches and 194 yards. Najee Harris did exit this game briefly with a head injury, but he did return. Eric Ebron did not. He's expected to miss extended time with a knee injury, so it's time to fire up the rookie, Pat Fryermuth. Next up, Monday Night Football and a snooze fest as the Buccaneers get the win 30-10 over the New York Giants. Brady and the combo of Godwin and Evans, all usable for fantasy. Fournette, a slow day out of the backfield as he ceded some work to Ronald Jones in the blowout. Not a single usable Giant in the contest, but brighter days are ahead as they usher in the Freddy Kitchens era in New Jersey. And that's it for our weekly rundown. Definitely going to be a shorter show this week for buys and sells. You just get mine, but that's okay. Shotties, we're going to be wrong anyway. Let's start off with my buy. So last time I had contenders, I told you to buy Tyler Higby. He immediately scored a touchdown for Los Angeles and then went on by. I still stand by that one. The Odell Beckham signing did look like it could have complicated things for the pass catcher, but then less than 24 hours later, Robert Woods goes down with a season-ending injury, meaning the targets are still open for Tyler Higby. I still call him a buy. This week, my contender buy is Melvin Gordon. 
So through week 10, he had a week 11 bye, keep in mind, he was tied for the running back 15 with James Robinson. Now he's not sexy, as he's put up 20 or more fantasy points just once this season, coming way back in week 1. He does, however, put up a reasonable floor. He's put up double-digit fantasy points in PPR in 6 out of his 10 games this season, and you can ask anyone. Anyone who can spell fantasy about the expected breakout scenario for Javante Williams in the second half of this season. We all expect it, right? But let me ask you, what if it doesn't happen? So in the same time frame that I listed out for Gordon, Javante Williams is the RB24 on the season. So that's nine spots behind Melvin Gordon. Gordon actually has been the better running back of the two. He's had 15 fewer carries than Gordon and just one more target through the first 10 games of the season. Gordon is still getting the bulk of the high-value carries. They trust this veteran out of the backfield. He's out-carried Williams 21-14 inside the 20-yard line. They get down to the red zone, and they trust in Melvin Gordon. He has five rushing touchdowns on the season as opposed to just two from Javante Williams. He is the veteran that the Broncos trust. Over the last six games of the fantasy season for Gordon, he'll get the Chargers twice, the Chiefs, the Lions, the Bengals, and the Raiders. There's not a single defense on that list that should scare you or keep Melvin Gordon out of your lineup. In terms of fantasy points allowed to the running back, those teams rank ninth. That's Kansas City, who they'll get week 13, but then 22nd, 27th, 29th, and 31st. Talk about a fantasy goldmine for the running back out of Denver. And all of this is not even including the fact that there is a possibility that an injury or something could happen to Javante Williams. Not that we're hoping for that at all, but it's a scenario where Melvin Gordon now has top 10 league winning upside. All the above can be summarized as follows. Don't let your bias to what Javante Williams could be or even should be prevent you from capitalizing on a dip in perceived value around Melvin Gordon. I don't want anything in this argument to think to make you think that I'm taking anything away from what I expect Javante Williams to be. All right, I, If the breakout does happen and it is Javante Williams, I won't be surprised. I don't think anyone else will. But no one is expecting this for Melvin Gordon. No one is putting this in his range of outcomes. That this cake schedule down the stretch is only going to benefit Javante Williams because he's a bright, shiny new rookie. He's explosive. He's fun to watch. I get all that. But so far this season, it's been Melvin Gordon. Now, they may very well turn the reins back over to Javante or over to Javante because he is probably more talented than Melvin Gordon, but they haven't done that yet. So until further notice, I think we can expect Melvin Gordon to at least provide that RB2 floor with an upside in these matchups for multiple touchdowns. If anything happens to his backfield mate, we're talking top 10, maybe even top five upside with the fantasy schedule that he has over the playoffs. That's why... I'm buying in at the price. Go get me Melvin Gordon. All right, no shoddy rebuttal to tell me why I was right. So with that, we're going to move right on to the cells. Sell. No, 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 Take just get it out of here. You can sell anything, sell, sell, sell anything. me this fucking pen right here. You can sell anything, sell that. We all sell out every day. Might as well be on the winning team. Last time I had contenders, I told you to sell Damian Harris. He missed a game and then he laid an egg against the Atlanta Falcons. And you remember my argument back then, his fantasy schedule is not getting any easier. It's going to be a tough one. Hopefully you got out while his value was still higher. 
I still stand by it. Sell Damian Harris if you can. Now this week, going to come as a bit as a shocker. And even though Shoddy is not here to rebuttal, I don't think he would. I think he would be on board with this one. But I'm going to tell you to sell Cam Newton. So far this season, he's only played two games. So to cite his season numbers, it's kind of irrelevant. He's played in two games. He's been good in both. He was great in his first start last week where he put up 29 against the Washington football team. A Washington football team that ranks dead last in fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. His schedule's not only going to get tougher, it's damn near brutal. He has a bye week baked in between a couple of cupcake matches between the Dolphins and the Falcons. But listen to this. His fantasy playoff schedule might be the hardest in the league for quarterbacks. He gets Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and the New Orleans Saints. So Buffalo, in spite of their recent tough stretch, is still one of the best defenses in the league. They're the best defense in the league against opposing, against opposing quarterbacks. Number one, Tampa Bay and New Orleans rank 18 and 24 against opposing quarterbacks. But you have to dig a little deeper when we talk about Cam Newton. So he gets his points with his legs. He always has. Everyone knows that that is what Cam Newton is about. He is not a Pro Bowl caliber passer. He's a massive freak athlete who gets it done with his leg. So much to the point that you can almost consider him a running back who throws the football. Tampa Bay and New Orleans, they rank third and second in the NFL against opposing running backs. So I know that's not an apples-to-apples comparison when we talk about Cam. But it's something you need to keep in mind when you think about what to expect from him in those games. If he's going to give you rushing output, that's great. And if he's going to give you passing output on top of that, that's the Cam Newton that we saw last week. That's where I think his perceived value is at right now. But against those three defenses that he's going to play in the playoffs, again, that's Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans, it's going to be damn near impossible for him to provide both the rushing output and the throwing output that can win you weeks. And if neither one of those things happen, which I think is entirely likely, then he's going to sink your week. You cannot take those bust games out of your quarterback in the fantasy playoffs. No matter if we're talking about super flex, 2QB, or even single quarterback. You put up a dud out of your quarterback position, what should be and usually is your highest scoring position on your roster, it's going to sink your week. And it's going to take your playoff run to its end. So think about where Cam's value was a month ago. You could not give away Cam Newton in Dynasty. He was left for dead in free agency, and it took a Sam Darnold collapse and quote-unquote injury to earn him employment with his former team. On the stock market, you see a stock multiply tenfold in value over a short period of time. You may want to think about selling. If you don't believe me, go ahead and ask anyone who's still holding on to their GameStop stock. (laughs) Yikes. This stretch for Cam is going to open up his last window for recouping some value for the 32-year-old quarterback. Don't be caught holding the bag when his value returns to zero. All right, that's all we got for buys and sells this week. Like I said, it's going to be a shorter episode, so let's finish up with our favorite segment. Do you remember Brett Pelashotti? I don't. He left me hanging, out to dry, on a holiday weekend, and he's now dead to me. 
Look forward to having you back next week, buddy. Follow us on Twitter at FFlexecution. You can follow me at FFMasterDebater. Until next week, Dynasty Heads, get out there, earn that W. Happy holidays. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the food. Enjoy your fantasy. Mr. Flexi-